Hi! Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show Podcast. Of course, if you're listening on iTunes, thanks for subscribing. If you're listening on social media, go to iTunes and subscribe. On this episode, how does Kyle Walters feel about the upcoming CFL draft? The Blue Bombers general manager gives his thoughts. And Jeff, Ron, and I, every couple weeks, we watch a sports movie and review it. This week, it's Miracle, the Disney classic from 2004. That is on the podcast. Let's turn our attention now, though, to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who today had had Kyle Walters out there to talk about the draft, the team, the CBA. Didn't really want to talk too much about the CBA, but... Let's start with what the Bombers could possibly do. So they are picking fourth and fifth in round number one. Did not have a first rounder last year. Had two the year before. Faith Akakadi first overall. That didn't work out. And Jeff Gray later in the first round. Didn't work out at first. Went to the NFL. Tried his luck. But now he's back with the team. He is expected to have a pretty decent role now that Suk Chung is off to BC and Matthias Gosen has retired to pursue his dream of being a police officer. So... Could they be taking an offensive lineman high in the draft, Kyle Walters? Every CFL team every year looks to upgrade their offensive line. It just is what it is. And, um, you know, we're fortunate that, that Jeff Gray, a first-round pick from, from a couple years ago, showed up at the end of last year and, and, and kind of got, got, uh, got his, his, his feet wet in our system and with our coaches. So looking at Jeff coming back for his first training camp is, is a bonus. But uh, I think, yeah, the rule of thumb in our league is you see it every year that, that O-linemen go early and teams just replenish them and develop them so that when you do have some losses in free agency each year, you can you expect your young guys to step in and play. What about the receivers that are available in the draft? It is a good receiver receiver group. You saw it at the combine. A few of them are in mini camps right now. So you know, unfortunately, well, the reality this year is with the mini camps after our draft, you have to sort of it's a bit more of a, a guessing game. But you know, you just have to kind of get the best information you can from these teams and see where they fit in and and the likelihood of guys going just to mini camps. It's pretty pretty tough for them to get into an actual training camp, but. Uh, we do like our receivers. We're bringing them all back. Nick, uh, Nick, very versatile and fits into what Paul does on offense perfectly with all the uh, all his uh, skill set. And, and you saw Drew last year have a breakout year and uh, did real well. And, and Peterman, when he got a chance to play, made plays. And and of all of them, you know, I think Rashawn's got a high upside. He's had a year in, and like a lot of young guys, just need to grow now. But if he can, if he can go back to training camp and uh, and develop like we hope he can and take that next step just from a you know just from a raw athleticism and, and height weight speed and, and all that stuff that I think he's got a big upside and, and should be able to push to get on the field as well so we do like our we do like our group of Canadian receivers right now having said that could you add more receivers here now until through the training camp process we'll, we'll keep looking at that position in particular the receiver spot to see if there's any names that 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 are released or or available via trade or something like that but uh if nothing happens and we go in with the group that we had last year and and these young guys or the group that's back from last year and these young guys then yeah we'll expect to go full speed ahead and 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 we'll be you know much we'll certainly be a little bit more inexperienced but i think we'll be younger and, and more athletic now if you don't bring in 
a big time guy, another bigger name. Is there too much pressure being placed on the Canadian receivers that you have? It's the position they play, I, I think, is the pecking order in our offense. The boundary guys get the majority of the ball. Drew generally plays at the Z position, which is the, the wide spot. So, you know, his role is his role, regardless of if we're veteran laden into the boundary or rookie into the boundary. Uh, next role, it, it, it's the positions they play. So, uh, do we expect Drew to, to step his game up? Yes, and that's maybe the little things. Um, but him lining up at the same position that he did last year does not change the fact on the pecking order of where the balls go to and Paul's off. The offense is going to stay the same regardless of, of what names are on the playing and what positions. There's a, there's a, you know, we are who we are in regards to where we throw the ball in the field regardless of what guys are there. And if, you know, if, with Weston gone to the boundary, whoever's lining up at the boundary slot, I expect to get a lot of balls thrown their way. What about the receivers that are being brought in following the free agent camp last week? All, all shapes and sizes. I mean, you saw, I, I think some of the guys we signed will be able to come in. And as I said down there, we're, we're certainly looking to commit a DI spot for a returner this year, um, you know, which, which we'd like to do. But as I said, due to injuries to, you know, we had a Derek Jones and a Trent Corny go down with injuries, so we had to play an American uh, at those spots, commit to a DI. We'd, we'd like to be able to uh, find just a committed returner this year and, and use it, you know, committed DI spot to that so we've got some guys down there that played some receiver but are also legitimate return threats to go along with Charles Nelson who's back and then um, you know some of the bigger body receivers I thought showed real well down there so they'll be able to come in and compete as well so it's kind of you know it's kind of wide open and at the receiver spot but we think we have talent and we'll just see who can come in and, and win jobs. Just so you know, DI spot means designated international so just not a non-Canadian. What about Lucky Whitehead? We heard his name bandied about a lot after free agent camp last week. Yeah, we've been talking. He is, as I'm looking at this, he's the last one on the list that, that we're hoping to get signed out of minicamp. So, you know, things seem like they're positive. Okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. So you've got the two first-round picks. That's that's good, right? It's a nice spot to be in. As I said, we I, I know we're going to get, if we, if we don't do anything, I know we're going to get two good football players at four and five. It's just a matter of now fitting into um, – what we want to do with the ratio and who helps the most. But uh, I'm going to guess if somebody really wants to come up to pick five, we'll, we'll listen. But instead, we're in a nice spot because I'm perfectly comfortable. I'm not going to move for the sake of moving because I know we're going to get two good players at four and five. Um, if we want to, if the strategy is to, to move down or to, to move one of the picks, then, then we'll certainly listen. So you mentioned trading. That is a possibility, though. Yeah, I mean, there's been a ton of talk over the last two weeks, and we'll see what gets serious over the next two days. But generally not good philosophy to be trading first-round draft picks for American players unless they're, you know, proven top-notch American players, which you don't see that happen very often in our league. Okay, sounds good. And you like the talent that's here in the draft, right? I think it's good, and I think I think when you I think the top twenty picks are going to are going to be as good as as we've seen. I think there's depth on the O line. I think there's depth at receiver. I think I think there there's some quality on the defensive line. Um, I think going through the there's only been one that's had a you know the bets from Laval is the only Canadian kid that's uh, uh, that's got a priority for agent deal, which generally helps our draft depth because you'd have to assume the. Uh, Again, based on what I said, many camp invites rarely rarely turn into um, NFL 
contract, so you'd have to play those odds. So I think I think all of that contributes to a to a good draft. But it always starts with the O line. I think it's a you know I think it's a good O line draft, and I think it's an exceptionally deep receiver draft. That there's some real good high end guys, but there's some you know there's some quality depth throughout it as well. Just so you know, the Spring Scouting Bureau rankings has Matthew Betts, defensive lineman, number one, an offensive lineman, Shane Richards, at number two, Justin McKinnis, wide receiver at number three, Zach Wilkinson, offensive lineman, number four, and Hergie Mayala, wide receiver, at number five. Now, a couple things to note. This is just the Bureau rankings. Each team will base on need oftentimes, so that's probably not going to be the order. And there's also this from Kyle Walters. When asked today, is there uh, any stock that we should put into the Central Scouting Bureau rankings? Zero. Did you hear that? Zero. One more time. Zero. Okay, so just throw it out the window. Zero. Okay, good. Okay, now we know. If you don't know the bit by now, Jeff Braun and I, he's one half of the Couch Potatoes morning news anchor, loves movies. Him and I, every couple weeks we watch an old sports movie and we review it and since it is the Stanley Cup playoffs and so many improbable results in round one, I present to you Miracle. So we, we've watched a lot of movies from the 80s and we've noted before how movies at that time were really all 90 minutes, hour 40. This one from 2004, it's Disney and we start to see how they get a little bit longer. Two hours and 15 minutes start to finish. That includes a you know, four minutes of credits, but still, yeah. it's a little bit longer. They started that in the 90s, and then by the time the new Star Wars is, I think, were long, and Lord of the Rings definitely was, and it was just like, oh, people will sit still for up to three hours, so anything shorter than three hours is doable. This is ridiculously long. You think so? But it went fast, I thought. It was, I don't, I guess there's stuff I cut, but... I didn't, I, there wasn't anything in it. I was like, that needs to go. All right, let's start with this, though. So, Why'd they bench Tretiak? Sorry. That's, <laughs> well, that's been bugging me the whole time. Okay, so <laughs> of all the sports movies that we've watched, they can often be either made up or a, kind of an obscure story that you probably weren't aware of until the movie came out. This is the first one we watched. You know what happens. Oh, yeah. You know the ending. Oh, yeah. Yet it's still compelling. It's very compelling, and it's like Apollo 13 was like that, too. I remember going to that with some friends, and we had one guy that said, why are we going to see this? We know how it ends. And I was like, nah, we're still going. And and every time I watch it, and I've seen that movie like 30 times, right. I'm gripped by it. At the end, I was like, oh my God, are they going to come out of the blackout? I know they are, but it's very, just good filmmaking. Right. If, you can make, if you're good at making a movie, it doesn't matter if people know the outcome. So- it's the journey, right? That's why we're watching it. Herb Brooks, the the story of the coach and the players who are all college players, right? People probably aren't fully aware of all their backstories. And obviously this isn't this doesn't tell them all, and there are some liberties taken, but it's a fairly accurate portrayal of what happened. The players said after the fact, Yeah, that's pretty much it. Now Herb wasn't friendly with us. He would never go to a, a Christmas party that we had. But other than that, like he it does was, in the movie, yeah. Like, but that, he didn't really have much fun in that Christmas party. Well, he just got a whip and left. Yeah. Okay, so there are a few things before we get to the action. There are the scenes with his family, with his wife, a few times where it makes it seem like he's very conflicted about what he's doing. And there's also all the news bits and the montages and the the breaks away from the hockey storyline to kind of set the context of that time period with 
the hostilities with the Soviet Union. Yeah, and I mean, like the the hockey win at the end doesn't mean anything if you haven't set all that up ahead of time, and that that a that there's that hostile with Russia during the Cold War, and b that the country had so much so many downer things happening to it that a win like that would have actually really brought people up. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I thought they did that well, and it's you know it was a Disney movie, so they didn't really get, make it. Right, too bleak or anything. Well, like and that. there's no and there's no swears. There's no swears. There's no nudity or nothing. There's, yeah, this is the whatever the spectrum is. There's slap shot on one end, and this movie's on the other end. In one scene, Herb Brooks calls a player a candy ass, and that's the worst thing said in the entire movie. Is that it? Because at one point I was I was like, I know it's Disney, and I know there haven't been any f bombs. Player like, with the leg bruise in the locker room. Yeah, but I was like, have there been other, milder swears? And that I, was I, it. I couldn't think of any. That's funny. That now this is my question. Okay, and I, I know the name Herb Brooks, but. I'm also a Canadian boy. In America, how famous is Herb Brooks that to the point that Kurt Russell, who has, I bet you if you said who's ever ever had, dude-wise, the best hair in Hollywood, Kurt Russell wins that contest, and they make him have this horrible haircut to look like Herb Brooks. Is Herb famous enough that if they would have let him use his Kurt Russell hair, people would have been, I'm out. It doesn't look like her Brooks. Well, I'm, same with the accent. I'm because Can- the accent that was a bit much. Uh, I mean, I'm Canadian too, but yeah, he was a, he was a big deal because hockey in the United States in 1980 isn't really a, on the radar like it is today. That's why. I, that's why I asked. And you think of how like, much that's changed between then and even the late 90s, where USA hockey started to become very relevant. They started making World Finals, Olympic Finals, and whatnot. Yeah. Was it weird forcing? Yourself to cheer for an American hockey team? It wasn't bad because I've seen so many movies, mostly from the 80s, that had like the bad Russian commies as the bad guys and right. some American hero like Chuck Norris or Rambo or somebody as the good guys. So, yeah, uh, movie wise, I'm used to that. And it was and it was fine. Okay. But, uh, uh, of the parties involved, the Americans would be our allies anyway. So, why not? I can give you all a load of crap about how you're a better team than they are, but that's exactly what it would be. And everyone in this room knows what people are saying about our chances. I know it. You know it. But I also know there is a way to stay with this team. You don't defend them. You attack them. And they didn't play against Canada in this in the Canada Olympics was tournament. never mentioned. Were they even in that Olympics? <laughs> Well, yeah, but they weren't. They didn't play the U.S., so right. they weren't part of. The, they weren't an important part of the, the storyline. Right. The hockey players in the movie, the actors, I should say, Rachel's are, boyfriend Tag from Friends. They are hockey players first and actors second. So they want they Not actually, all of them. Well, most of them. This was their first role. Not the goalie. No, but most of them. This was their first role. Kind of like uh, Hoosiers, where they actually wanted real athletes yeah. to be playing, and so they cast all these. You know, real hockey players, a lot of them played college, a lot of them played high level. So they wanted it to look realistic, and it was. Yeah, I thought it looked great, the hockey. There were hardly any stand, like some of the the goaltending stuff, there was a stand-in. But all the on-ice skating, that was them, and that made it very authentic. Yeah, no quibbles about that. I thought the hockey scenes were shot very well. It was interesting to watch. A lot of it was really inventive and stuff you hadn't seen before, so I I was really on board with that. I think in terms of all the movies we've seen action-wise, it's up there. Just because it is authentic. Yeah. I would, honestly, the movie as a whole, I would put it in the top five. I mean, I 
almost cried a bunch of times and burst into tears at the end. I was like, so I was like, okay, sports movie. You, you must have been overtired because I, I didn't come accomplished. close. Um, it, well, for me, the, honestly, it was just like accents. Oh, yeah. Just getting on my the – bo- uh, the guys trying to do – when they try and do a Boston accent or like kind of a bad and Minnesota. some of the other guys trying to do, yeah, that upper Midwest yeah. accent. Rob McClanahan, St. Paul, Minnesota. Jack O'Callaghan. Charlestown, Mass. Boston University. I'm Ralph Cox. I'm from where it's not going to get me hit. And I think honest, I, I, I blame Fargo, the movie, for that. Okay. Because that, they do it to an extreme degree in that movie. and But it's it works in that movie, even though it's even more like ridiculous than it is here. But ever since that movie, everyone feels like, they oh, we can do it like that and people don't mind. But nah, if you don't do it right, it doesn't work. It is this, you know, the common trope of, oh, it's the crazy coach. It's unconventional. We're going to doubt him. And oh, look, it ended up working in the end. Exactly. Bowtie equals a doctor, by the way. If there's a guy with a yeah. bowtie, he's a doctor. And his nickname is Doc. Yeah. Uh, the, That's what made me laugh. Every time I was like, oh, of course he has a bowtie. He's a doctor. The Herbies, as they call them, the basically the skating after the Norway game. I got tired watching that. And me too. I was just like, I, I get the point of this. It still needs to Again. be shorter. <laughs> <laughs> and it went on forever. Oh. Uh, the rink manager, he, he wants to clean the ice and then go home. Well, tell him to leave me the keys, I'll lock up. Again. Again. A couple things on that. One, just real life. They shot, the real actor shot that over three days because they wanted them to actually look just exhausted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, it's not your ice, dude. You're in Norway. You're you're a guest. You're not, you can't just take the ice and run the suicides like Typical that. Typical arrogant Americans for you. Come on. <laughs> also, it's hard to believe. Like the Olympics were in Lake Placid. They were there a bunch. So small compared to like how the Olympics are now. They must have just had stuff set up there because they were there like five or six times. Yeah, but 1980, the Olympics were nowhere near what they are now. Yeah, it's true. Right, just over the last few decades, how huge the Olympics have become. The monolith. But I think at the time. Places, especially in America or something like that, where it'd be like less likely to build a whole bunch of brand new stuff just mm-hmm. to move it around the country, right? That's true. Uh, Herb Brooks pants, very good. Seventies, or I guess well, technically eighty, yeah. but still seventies. Yep. Um, so well, same with all the hair. Yes, the hair. Well, a lot of hockey hair, right? Hockey. Why? Why did the Russians bench Tretiak in the big game? That seemed weird. Panic. That's weird because right. they'd never been challenged before so the guy literally had no idea what to do right so he gives up a couple bad goals and this is one of the i think the the true cases for home ice mattering you play that game in any other country and the americans lose yeah but it's the olympics in america we saw that with canada and vancouver now that's not quite the same thing because canada is very good but home ice is very important when it comes to a big event like the olympics well yeah you'll often see that anyways right home countries that host the olympics tend to get a bump at least maybe they don't necessarily win mm-hmm. the olympics but they get a bump from other years yeah. speaking of vancouver the game against the soviets was shot in vancouver oh really yeah a lot of the Ooh. shooting was done in vancouver that's interesting a lot and some of the the dorm scenes or the when they're trying out and whatnot that was shot in british columbia and apparently some of the actual bc students were pretty rowdy and Making things hard for <laughs> the production. This was one of the thing. It's Someone this, at one point uh, stole Kurt Russell's chair. There was a weird uh, dudes frolicking in a shower. Very short. That scene. was brief. Yeah. What was that? <laughs> it was brief to the point where why did they bother doing it? And it was, it was just weird to find uh, in a like a Disney movie. Dudes yeah, with the, yeah, was, even dudes without shirts. Kind of weird. Yeah, that's 
It is what it is. Uh, Kurt Russell. What did you think of his performance? He's really good in that. Again, except for once I got past the accent, he was bang on. He's uh, there's putting Kurt Russell in your movie is never a bad idea. He's on the list of guys that makes every movie better. So they they just couldn't have done better than him. Great moments are born from great opportunity, and that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them ten times, they might win nine, but not this game. Not tonight. Tonight. We skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. It was basically just him in terms of people you heard of, right? No, the assistant coach, is. Uh, he played Stan on the Americans. He's also... Uh, yeah, I, I'd recognize him, but I couldn't the, remember from what. The Jim Carrey movie... To the Truman Show, he plays Truman's friend in that too. Okay, I've seen him. I've seen him in a few things. He's also in a really terrible movie called Cellular. Okay, yeah, but and, no, he was good. He was. That's yeah. And as far as the hockey player actors go, no, no, uh, just the goalie that uh, he was on Friends for a while. So okay, yeah. And so I so I assumed all the hockey guys were. It never even occurred to me that they just got real hockey players to do it. I just thought they were all just actors that. They were young, and well, some, sometimes with young actors, you only see them in one thing ever. Well, the, just, and it, the production staff, they said it's easier to teach hockey players to act than actors to play hockey. Yeah, absolutely. So, that, so, that makes sense. And then with the goalie, I mean, he's got the mask on, right, so you can hide it. You, you put don't a, really have to do a lot of You put Bill Ranford in there, and it's okay. <laughs> what did you think of the use of Al Michaels? Oh, yeah, we have to get to that. I almost forgot about that. I thought that was really interesting that they decided to do that. I knew he was, I'd heard that he was in the movie. I knew that he made the famous call. Because he called that game, but then they actually had him redo it. Because you can hear it. It's like, this is current Al Michaels and not okay. 1980 Al Michaels. Because his voice is different That's what I was, wondering was back if then. They did use any original audio. Or, they they did, used the, the, the TV footage, obviously. They used the original audio only for the Do You Believe in Miracles? Yes call. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! That was the original because they didn't want Al to try to emotionally replicate it because there's no chance he'd be able right. to. Who could? So they get Ken Dryden to do some too? Yeah. Oh, neat. Really interesting that they brought in Al Michaels to redo all of it. Well, why to not? To make it authentic. And it was not just a couple lines. It was almost all the game action. Al Michaels was in the background doing you, the audio. You need that, though, because, like you say, like a lot of Americans just don't watch hockey. And they don't know the players. Yeah. And so to have, you know, uh, the guy, that's uh, we see it in a lot in the sports movies. They all got an announcer doing play-by-play to spell things out for the audience, which is like right. literally the point of them in the first place in real life so but, why not and when what when your guys al michaels one of the best yeah. broadcasters in the history of it why wouldn't you use him and important to note that at the time al michaels was doing monday night football on abc and disney is abc so when this movie know. was made they were the same company so it's probably easier to get them all the same lawyers and agents and stuff exactly so now he's on nbc it wouldn't i don't i think he still do it but i don't know yeah yeah okay so rating um oh Four Olympic rings out of five. Okay. I'll give it eight and a half. Again. Again. <laughs> Again. It's out of ten. You only did it three times. So I thought you were going to do eight and a half times. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Tune into the CGOB Sports Show weeknights from 7 to 9 with me, Christian O'Mell, or you can download the podcast on iTunes. It's actually on iTunes now. Wow. If you got an Android, then I think you're out of luck, but Apple products, you're good. So listen to the podcast. Please subscribe. You can rate it. What's the worst that could happen?